Well, it is wonderful to see all of your smiling faces this morning. And uh, take your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 5 as we begin part 2 of our teaching series called Peel to study the fruit of the Spirit. Before we get going, I think I'd be... Uh, I would be very, very grieved if I didn't say this. Go dogs! okay? We're going to just leave that there and keep moving forward, all right? I am so glad you're here this morning. Um, and I am, uh, if you have a Connect card inside of your worship folder, please take a few moments and fill that out. On your way out next to, through those double doors, there's a box there you can slide that into. If you're at home or if you want to do that digitally, uh, please take a moment and text the phrase NEW2RH to 55498. And you can also text the phrase PRAYER FOR ME to submit prayer requests. Well, here's what I want to do this morning. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit are a list of nine virtues that we begin to produce when we know Jesus. Um, some of you who grew up in church, you've heard of these virtues. Some of you, maybe for the first time, are going to be walking through that with me. Uh, and last week we dealt with what's the difference between virtues or habits of the flesh versus fruit of the spirit and we spent a lot of time talking about these are the things we need to avoid these are the things that tear us to pieces these are the things we produce when we don't know Jesus and this morning we're not going to jump into the first fruit which is love we're going to deal with that next week this morning we really want to talk about really the guidebook to fruit production if that makes sense to you guys we'll, we'll, we'll get to love don't worry it's happening but it, we really need to understand how to till the garden we really under, under, need to understand how to grow the fruit and so we're going to spend time this morning really putting the recipe in place for you and I to begin to be fruit producers in our own life and what that looks like. Now, in every journey, in every situation, you need to look back and celebrate the positive. Sometimes I feel like that we spend more time focusing on the negative. Y'all do that sometimes? Uh, even in our own prayers, you know, we're asking for God to fix something, God to do something. But do we ever spend time reflectively looking back and saying, Lord, you brought us this far driving around our community and in different areas of the country you'll see phrases like Ebenezer Baptist Church or Ebenezer Methodist Church or Ebenezer Church you've heard that phrase before and the word Ebenezer is basically taken from scripture and it means God has brought us this far so as we think through that if you look back at your life what are the Ebenezers what are those moments in your life where you say man God did something big here God rescued me here God fixed me in this situation God provided here we all have them right we all have those moments it's important to look back I want to take about two minutes and look back here at River Hills Church I had this pop up and this is something totally unplanned and unscripted this morning um, because the first thing you do in the morning is uh, you fix a cup of coffee and check social media is that what you guys do uh, that's that's what we're supposed to do you should be like brushing your teeth and eating breakfast but all of us check our phones all right I'm, I, I'm being real right y'all do that agreed and so this popped up on my social media feed this morning I thought it'd be prudent to share with you guys this morning 11 years ago today I want you to check out this picture you got that for us that was our kids ministry area is that blow your mind there 11 years ago today and I was so excited about this I was able to find a stage and we got some we got a projector and a screen and we had to make sure the kids were staying away from that table because if they hit it they would knock off that projector and that computer and that would cost like a thousand dollars so we had somebody guarding that it seemed like all the time we got a banner we were for real church at that moment we got a banner and we hung it up on the up on these poles and that was such a nightmare week in and week out and we were meeting at the YMCA and we thought hey hey they've got these gym 
gymnastic mats. Let's put that down there. That would be so awesome. Kids are going to love this. And as kids walked in the room, the music was pumping and all that stuff. And it was insanity. Were any of you guys there when we were doing that? It was amazing. But now, look how far God has brought us. You step back in our kids' ministry area, and it looks like a swamp theme in a good way. <laughs> you look at this facility that we're in. You look at your own life and how far God has brought us. And maybe you're looking, Lord, I need some Ebenezer's. I want to challenge you to look back. And specifically as it pertains to how do we produce fruit in our life, because many of us get so discouraged because we play that comparison game about how other people are progressing in their faith and we may not be, or about how we feel like we should be at this level and we're not, and yet we don't look back and say, God, you've done this. Now, there's responsibility that you and I have to take in our own fruit production. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Get ready to put your conviction boots on but here's the deal God is doing something in your life God has done something and is doing something in this body of believers but do we take the time to check it out do we take the time to really notice I told you several weeks ago my wife and I decided to grow a pumpkin patch this year and that was a big mistake because we know nothing about pumpkins and if you don't know me at all I make a lot of impulse decisions got me in trouble before too so I decided hey honey you said you like pumpkins and it'd be cool to have a pumpkin patch I just ordered a hundred pumpkin seeds we're gonna plant pumpkins and so I got the little trays out you know you've seen those at Home Depot or something like that and I put a pumpkin seed in each tray and I don't think this is the right way you're supposed to do pumpkins but this is Chip's way and I filled it up with some really cool organic soil because organic makes the world go around sure whatever and so then I put like, like fertilizer on it because that's what you should do. And all those things. And a couple weeks later, I got all these little pumpkin sprouts. And I'm like, wow, look at all these pumpkins. And I mean, literally, I had like six trays of pumpkins, okay? This is a lot of pumpkins, people, all right? So we plowed up this little place in our yard. And I've told you about this. And we began to put the pumpkins in. I had the whole family out there. It was one of those few moments where I was able to get my entire family to come out. Sarah Beth was all into it. But the kids, you know, you have to kind of beat them to come outside. So we got in there, and we're all putting pumpkins in the ground. And we're like, this vision of pumpkins you know all I could think of was a great pumpkin Charlie Brown that's all I could think of and how the pumpkin vines were gonna go everywhere we've got these pumpkins that are called max pumpkins or big max pumpkins and they're supposed to be this big and I just had this idea of my little niece who's four years old sitting on a pumpkin going what's up this is Uncle Chips all that stuff man and so what we've learned through this process and I just want to be real we've got pumpkins they're not like what I thought and honestly I gave up about six weeks ago my wife is, any fruit that we've produced in our pumpkin patch is 100% Sarah Beth. Can we all, okay, so y'all know that, all right? But uh, what we've learned, and I've learned by proxy through her, because she does the research, and then she, basically we have this phrase, she, she hunts it and I kill it. That's how we deal with this. So uh, they need certain types of fertilizer, duh. They need certain types of soil with pH balances, right? They need to be dealt with because they mildew. I didn't know plants mildewed. I just thought it was a bathroom issue, but this is actually happens on your plants. There's bugs, and they will bore into your pumpkin vine and eat it from the inside out, and you have nothing left. And then you have to make sure that you don't let your beagle get into the pumpkin patch because it will tear the roots out and run away with the whole pumpkin vine. All those things going on. And what I should have done, guys, is I should have like read like a pamphlet. You know what I mean? 
I, and I, y'all get that I'm ADHD. You understand that. So me to focus on anything for more than five seconds, that's why TikTok is my friend. But here's the deal. For me to deal with anything like that for more than like 30, 45 seconds, I'm done. If you ever send me a text, like five words, max, done, it, over. I should have read how to produce the fruit. And with any person who follows Jesus, you come to know Christ, and your right life is radically transitioned from a position of depravity to a position of sainthood. There's got to be a place soon after your transformation, soon after your regeneration, to where you learn how to produce some fruit. Now, truth be told, God is going to produce fruit. God is going to do something in your life. That's those Ebenezer's. However, many of us in this room, listening to us online and walking around the planet today who profess to know Christ and genuinely have a relationship with Christ aren't growing spiritually because they're not doing the things that God laid out for them to produce the fruit, period. You want to know the answer? You want to know the answer to your struggle, spiritually speaking, and why you're not growing? Best thing to do is look in the mirror. We can't find it in a pastor, in a church, in a worship song, online. you got to find it in the Word of God and how you nurture your relationship with the Lord. So this morning, we're going to look at how to produce that fruit. And I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to spend most of our time in verse 25. And I want you to notice what this little phrase says here. This is at the very end of our section on the fruit of the Spirit. This is going to be the launching point for every message for the next several weeks. We're going to deal, deal with other passages of Scripture like we're going to this morning. But notice what it says in verse, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's it. I want you to just leave that on the screen for a moment. Notice what it's saying there. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step or walk, literally, by the Spirit. Here's how you produce fruit as a Christian. Are you ready? All right, I'm going to give you the secret to your spiritual growth. You ready for this? You got to live and you got to walk. Now, we're going to flesh that out. But if you want to grow, if you want more of Jesus than you're getting now, if you want to look back on your life and what's so beautiful, can we throw that picture on the screen of the, of the kids' connection area 11 years ago? You wouldn't want to bring your kids to that now, would you? After experiencing what we've had, because we've progressed, because we've taken steps. And the thing is, as you look back, back on your spiritual journey, you need to move forward. If you're sitting in the same square that you were sitting in 20 years ago, that's a problem, people. There's one of two things going on. You never knew Jesus. Or we're so dull, spiritually speaking, that we're not moving forward. So here's the deal. What does it mean to live and walk by the Spirit? So let's flesh this out a little bit and understand what's going on. First thing we got to understand is that we have to understand what it means to live by the Spirit. And that idea of living by the Spirit means your life is, is integrated, is regenerated, is knitted into the body of Christ through the person of Jesus Christ, meaning you have Christ in your life. But here's the point. Living means you've got to make sure you're planting the right tree. Living means you've got to make sure that you're planted, you have planted or you have planting the right tree. So important that we, that we understand this. Because planting the right tree, we plant all kinds of things in the name of religion. Now think about how your life is planted. 
Think about the things and the pursuits you've had in your life in order to find joy, peace, patience, happiness, gentleness, kindness, self-control, those fruits of the Spirit. Think about those things that you're trying to find solidarity in. And we can say we've planted in a lot of places. We've planted the tree of religion. Now, religion could be termed in a variety of ways. The idea of religion could be, hey, I'm planning my life in the idea that I'm going to have a belief in God or a system of religion or even a denomination. Do you know we have more people committed to denominations than we do Jesus? That's a sad reality, is it not? So I'm gonna plant my life in some form of religious system. We see that all around the planet. But then where most people find their, their tree being planted is in, in living, where they find their hope is they're going to find their hope in a works-based mentality of how they're going to have a relationship with God. If I do more good stuff than I do bad stuff, then I must be good to go. It's morality. So I want to be known from the folksy understanding of what it means to be a, a Christian or religious that, you know what? I'm not lying. I'm not cheating much. I'm not doing these things that I shouldn't be doing. And when people look at me, I'm following exactly the pattern that grandpappy said to live. So it's this idea is I'm going to be moral. Or, or it could be the tree of success. We had a speaker come in a few weeks ago and speak, spoke to our men, which was an amazing night called What's at Stake. And he listed out several things that men do in order to hide where God would have them to be. And he said they hide behind the idea of ambition. You know, you can be ambitious over all the right things but go in the wrong direction. You can be ambitious about physical health. You can be ambitious about your career, about loving your family. You can be ambitious about so many things. But when Jesus is not in the middle of it, that whole idea begins to collapse upon itself eventually. We plant ourselves in the idea of tradition. Is the whole true to these traditions that I have in my life? If I plant that tradition tree and things just stay just this way, I'm going to be good. Well, perhaps you're planning your life in the idea of family values. What is your family value? Who is it all about? You see, all these trees that we plant eventually find themselves not taking root. Because the whole concept here, and this is your first point, like we said before, living means you got to make sure you plant the right tree. And Jesus made this statement, and I love this. He said this, we read this last week. He talked about look out for the false prophets. You can always tell them by their fruit. But he tells this parable in Matthew chapter 13. And he's communicating to the crowd and he gives them an amazing thing. And you've heard this before. 13 verses 1 through 8 in the book of Matthew. He says, that same day Jesus went out of the house to eat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him and he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Now, you got to think, this is a community steeped in religion steeped in tradition steeped in family values just infatuated with the idea if i do more good stuff than bad stuff i'm good to go listen to me that is no different than the culture we're living in right now if i emulate kindness you've seen that everywhere right be kind everybody's saying that what makes us different if i focus on voting for the right areas or the right things or voting my convictions that makes me good to go Jesus experienced a culture that was no different. 
And as he sat down next to the lake to have something to eat, the crowds gathered around him. And I like to picture this man. He had to get out on a boat just to be able to people to see him and hear him. Isn't that cool? I mean, this was before the days of sound systems and speakers and audio and media and all that stuff and live streaming. He just got on a boat and started talking. People were mesmerized by it. And he tells this parable or this story, and a parable is really an illustration to make a point. And, and they got it because they all were from an agrarian society. He said, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Have you heard this before? This is good, man. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. This is the seed of good works. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow didn't make it but when the sun came up the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root when we deal with suffering how deep are you rooted into the Lord other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants and still other seed fell on the good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown whoever has ears let him hear now what does all this mean now flip over a page or two I want you to go to verse 18. He explains it. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, since they had no regeneration, since they only had an emotional experience, that's what that means. But since they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble or persecution can I just I'm, I, this is not biblical but I'm going to put this in here in parentheses we're going to call that chip, chipperies you got that didn't you this is pretty, I made that up right then um, it says this it's basically when laziness distraction anything comes into the play when trouble or persecution comes because of the word they quickly fall away the seed fall among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Whoa. Boy, that's something we're inundated with here in America, is it not? Choke the word, making it what? What is that word? Say that with me. Unfruitful. The idea of being unfruitful means they never were the right tree to begin with. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and they understand it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Here's the point here, is that Jesus is saying you have to be planted in the right place and you have to make sure it's the right tree. Now what does this mean? This means that so many of us across this world planet struggle with our own salvation because we never really experienced it. We had a spiritual experience. We had a religious experience. We had a moment of guilt or conviction. But as far as living goes, we never made sure that we were planted correctly. And there are so many of us, even in this room, watching us online, they're living in a false sense of salvation. Listen to me. You ain't going to get to heaven. Because if we were to take the fruit off your tree and peel it back, we're going to find a hollow shell, not the meat of the gospel. So the thing is, where are you planted? I have a little hobby farm. Obviously, the pumpkins aren't doing well. 
But I have pear trees. And when we, we got there, I decided, man, I, I'm going to plant an orchard. And I, again, impulsive. So I decided I'd buy some apple trees, and they didn't make it. And then I read a passage of scripture about fig trees. So I bought a fig tree. It didn't make it. So finally I did my research. What's the easiest tree to plant in Georgia? A pear tree. All right. So I got a pear tree. Bought two of them. One made it. So 50%, guys. <laughs> but across our property, we've got wild pear trees. They have these huge thorns, and they're evasive everywhere. They come from somewhere in Asia, and they don't produce any fruit. But they are going nuts. But then I have another pear tree that does produce fruit. The only way you can really tell is it when it's time for the pears to get on the tree. And sometimes the only way we can tell if we know Jesus is just when it's time to produce fruit. And the fruit in the midst of suffering, fruit in the midst of where we're really going to have our allegiances, fruit in the midst of what's really going to fill our soul. So here's my question this morning. Are you just faking it? Are you living it? See, that's the thing. You want to grow spiritually. You want to move forward. Got to find out where you're planted. Got to evaluate, hey, I'm living this. This is who I am. And the fruit that I'm being, that's producing in my life is the one of Jesus. The point is the nature of the tree is found out when it produces the fruit every time. The nature of the tree is found out when it produces fruit. But there's another caveat to this. We're going to live that's going to produce fruit but we're also going to walk that's the habitual thing now Galatians chapter 5 we read this already but notice what happens here we're going to go back up to verse 18 the, the, the apostle writes so I say walk by the spirit and then in verse 25 it says this again since we live by the spirit let us keep in step which also means to walk by the spirit now here's the deal but he's saying you've got to make it your habit you've got to make it your life and you've got to put in the effort to walk now here's what's the, what we've got to understand get this in your brain is if you know Jesus, you're living and fruit's going to come. That's going to happen. But we talked about this last week. We're going to go in more detail this week. You have to choose to walk by it. You have to put in the effort. You got to put in the time, right? You got to do that. And the point we're trying to make, here's the deal. Walking means you have to cultivate your life. You have to do something. You can't just do nothing. Now, the question is, can a Christian do nothing and still be a Christian and still produce fruit? Well, hypothetically, the answer is, yeah. You can be a follower of Jesus and do nothing and still know Jesus and produce fruit. But here's what the Bible says. You're not going to do that. Now, that, that's gonna, that hurts a little bit. Because for so many of us, it's like, man, I'll make it to heaven, but I'll smell like smoke when I get there. That is not a reality. Reality is, is that if you know Christ, you're living in him, you're going to put in the effort because you know Christ, not in order to get to know Christ. Effort will be produced. You will do something. There's a book I bought many years ago, and I can't remember the whole, the whole theme and the whole context of the whole thing, but I never forget the, never get the title, and it said, Faith Works. It does something, and it works for you. And the thing is, you're not growing, and I'm not growing when we choose to do nothing, nothing, you have to cultivate. You have to do some things. Now, here's some things we need to understand here. John 15, chapter five, John 15, verses 1 through 5. Jesus makes this statement, and here's the beauty of what's happening here. As Jesus is making this statement, he's using another uh, a fruit analogy. 
And he says this, I am the vine and the father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears what? Why scary, is it not? Now, it's not meant to scare us. It means, it's meant to identify us. He cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. Then he says this, while every branch that does bear fruit, what does he do? Let's say that together. What does he do? He prunes. Now, listen. That does not seem happy. That does not seem pleasant, is it, is it to you? And what it literally means is he is going to use the situations and the circumstances of your life to grow you, to prune you. Because unless you cut off the dead parts, there's no new growth that's going to happen. You may be going through hell on earth. God is pruning you. We don't like that part. But that is exactly what's happening. I read this passage in the midst of a very, I read it a million times. I read this passage for my time alone with God in the middle of a really difficult circumstance. And I was angry, I was frustrated, and it was one of those moments where it was like, poor me. Y'all been there? God, why? You gonna do you, why ain't you fixing this, Lord? And I said, you know, he cuts off every branch of me, it bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that you would even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. That means put forth the effort. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I want, you to, I want to go back and catch something here because we read over it really quick. Verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. That is the spiritual growth. You're living, he's remaining in you, and you're walking, and you're remaining in him. You get it? James, James chapter 5, chapter 2, verse 26, says that Christians, real Christians work. It says faith without works is what? It's dead. Meaning, if you're not doing anything to grow, you probably don't know Jesus. You live in one of these places exactly where the evil one wants you to be. Ineffective, fooled, and hidden. And yet feeling secure. 1 John makes this statement in verse, chapter 2, verse 3. He said, we know that we have come to know him if we what? Keep his commandments. Now, you know I'm all about grace. You don't have to work to get Jesus' love. You don't have to earn your salvation. There's no checklist to follow to have a relationship with the Lord. But hear me on this. Once you come to know Jesus, there is a blissful effort that you get to experience that brings about that fruit that you're looking for, that I'm looking for. That's the pruning. The best part about the pruning is what happens with it. The thing is, I got this pear tree, and one made it. And the first year, like, we had two pears. I was so fired up. I came home, I was like, Sarah Beth, it's working. <laughs> Last year, I mean, it was filled with pears. I mean, I was so fired up. I, I'm, it, I, I, I was kind of speechless. I walked up to it. I'm like, all these pears on here. Look at all these pears. I'm going to pick all these pears. We're going to make pear preserves. We're going to make pear jam. We're going to have pear pudding. We're going to have pear casserole. I mean, everything. 
And then I started looking close at the pears, and every one of those pears had a fungus on them. They were useless. Bitter. Cut the tree down. I'm just kidding. And so many of you, and hear my heart on this, are producing fruit, but it is inedible. It is filled with fungus. Is that you do know Jesus, but your cultivation is so minuscule that you're exactly where Satan wants you to be. An ineffective, complacent Christian. And to me, that's the saddest place. Because you have the whole world, but you do nothing. And we're completely content on having fruit filled with fungus. You have to walk. You have to cultivate. So what does that mean? What kind of fruit are we supposed to be producing? What kind of, what kind of things are supposed to be happening in our life? So here's what we're going to do. And this is going to be the start of how we deal with each one of these virtues. Let's go to chapter, just go to verse 22 in chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit the thing you're living for, the thing you're walking in, there's nine of them. Now, this is not necessarily something we've got to stringently follow, but they're categorized into three different areas. Okay? You're going to see them. The first one is love, joy, and peace. And when you get in the original languages, you have love, joy, and peace, and that is a Godward thing. You're going to love God. You're going to find your joy in God. You're going to find your peace in God. Does that make sense? And so, Typically, when we apply that little passage there, and, it's, and it is relevant, you want to love other people, you want to have joy, you want to have peace with other people, but really, the greatest love that you and I need to have is for Jesus, the greatest joy we find is in Jesus, and the greatest peace that we experience is because of Jesus. Does this make sense to you guys? This is a Godward production of fruit. But then we have the next phrase there, notice what it says, forbearance, kindness, and goodness, or literally, peace, kindness, and goodness. And that's a manward fruit. This is how it relates to people. This is the fruit that we use when we're dealing with others, to have that patience with your kids, to show that kindness to your enemy, to do those things, have goodness towards somebody that maybe doesn't deserve it. And that's what we're looking to as it relates to others. Imagine how different of a world we would have if those three virtues are the things we, we acted towards each other. Imagine how much day your better would be if you showed patience. I mean, that's something I struggle with, y'all. But then you have what's happening inwardly. And this is the fruit that's being produced within you. Notice what happens here. It says, it says this. Faithfulness, gentleness, and then what? Self-control. These are the things you're developing. You're growing in your faith. You're being gentle with yourself and with others, and you're exhibiting self-control. These are, the, I would say, self-word, if that was a word. It's happening. So you have these three categories of fruit. The Godward fruit, love, joy, peace. The manward fruit, patience, kindness, goodness, and then the inward fruit, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love what he says here. Against such things, there is no law. 
Because we have a relationship with God, he's going to produce those. But here's the deal. You get to choose how fruitful it is. You get to choose if you're going to have fungus on the tree. You get to choose. And here's the, here's the thing. If you know Jesus, you will choose this. You get that? It's kind of like if you're hungry, you're going to eat. Right? If you know Jesus, this is what you're going to choose. So if you're not choosing this, if you're saying, nope, 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 nope. Can I be real? Online here. You probably don't know Christ. So here's the deal. What we want to deal with just for the next two minutes here this morning before the band comes up is this. How in the world do I begin to cultivate and produce these things in my life more so? You have a conviction. You have a desire. You, you live and you want to walk. Well, the first one is you got to know Christ. you got to ask Jesus to come in your life. It has to be a sincere regeneration, transformation that happens. you got to know Christ. And so the point is, if this morning, if you're here online or here and you don't know Jesus, on that connect card that you were given, fill, out it, fill it out and say, today I need to know Christ. Or you can text in the phrase, I need Jesus to 55498, or catch me in the lobby. I'd love to talk to you. Something we can celebrate in our Spanish-speaking congregation, three people came to know Jesus last week. Isn't that great? Something you can clap. That's a really good thing. God's doing something there, but here's the deal. Online here, we need to experience that as well, possibly. But to cultivate, let's say you are a believer, here's how you cultivate. You have to choose to fertilize your life spiritually. That's the Godward direction. Choose to fertilize your life spiritually. Get in the Bible. Give you a Bible reading plan this week, Bible.com or the Bible app. It's a really simple plan called Fruit of the Spirit. You think you can remember that? Get in the Word. Fertilize yourself spiritually. Second thing is this, kill the weeds. Kill the weeds, man. They choke. They destroy they make us unfruitful. You got to kill the weeds in your life. And then finally, use the fruit. Use the fruit. Act in certain ways towards other people. Serve, love, forgive, show patience. 20 years ago, my wife and I, we went on our first mission trip. We'd been married for about six months. We went to Belize. And the great thing about Belize is they use U.S. money and they mostly speak English. So that was winter for us, you know, didn't have to translate a whole lot, that kind of stuff. But while we were there, we were approached by someone and says, look, I think you need to invest in a mango farm. Okay. He obviously didn't know about my pumpkin patch issues, you know, or going to be pumpkin patch issues. So you need to invest in a mango farm. And all you do you invest about twenty twenty five thousand dollars they said which was like more than i could ever imagine at that moment in my life and you buy like like 15 20 acres of mango trees and when you buy these trees you just go back to the united states and what's going to happen is you're going to have a group of workers come in and they're going to cultivate they're going to take care of they're going to pick and then y'all will split the profits in the first year you'll pay for your loan and then the next year after that all the years after that you're going to be just rolling in the dough. It's going to be taken care of. And I'm thinking, this sounds like a good investment. And I said, well, what's the, what's the downside? There's no downside. Well, okay. There is no downside. And I said, okay. What about parasites, disease? What about pear fungus? You know, that kind of stuff. And he's like, they don't have any natural predators. There's no parasites in this area. Everything's eradicated. The only thing is hurricanes you've got to worry about. And we hadn't had a hurricane in 25, 30 years. So that sounds good. All right. So I went back to the States, met with a buddy of mine. We began to think through it, pray through it, figure out if we could get the money raised to buy a mango plantation. And about a week later, Belize got hit by a hurricane. It wiped out all the mangoes. <laughs> Why do we say that? Why do we finish for that this morning? Fruitful living doesn't mean we do nothing. 
or that we're never in danger but it does mean that God is maintaining your tree and he will empower you to produce the fruit regardless of your trial and so as you choose to walk this morning make sure you're living and if you are living make sure you're walking you with me let me pray father I pray this morning that you would empower us in a profound and profound and powerful way that we would experience you and that we would not be held back by inhibitions or awkwardness or frustrations or fear but we would be consumed by your presence filled with your spirit and producing producing something that is beyond anything we can imagine and so God direct our steps fill our hearts help us live and help us walk and may we exist in the presence of who you are Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for the hope we have in you. And I pray as we leave here this morning that we be fruitful, that we would choose to walk, that we would choose to live, and we would choose to follow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.